0: Over 45 years of construction excellence, the McGough Group is a well-established, highly experienced multifaceted collection of like-minded businesses which work together to develop and create community. New Care was founded in 2010 and is unparalleled within the care sector, with seven operational care homes, including Bramhall Manor, which has a contract with the NHS and Council in Stockport. Downtown, a Manhattan-inspired apartment development in Manchester City Centre, is also under their portfolio. The 374 apartments were all sold off-plan, and the development has recently reached build completion. In 2017, the McGough Group joined forces with Jeannie and Stuart Pickering to found Back to the Garden childcare, where the first nursery opened in Broadheath in 2018. Their latest venture, Market 41, a new venture for the group, will be an indoor food market in Ermston. Today's episode is recorded via Zoom. We are joined by Chris McGough, Director at The McGough Group. So welcome to the podcast, Chris. I'd like to start with your earliest memory or a pivotal moment for you during your childhood.
1: Yeah, so um, thanks for the opportunity. Um, yeah, thinking, thinking about this one, I mean earliest memory, I think it goes back to a childcare setting as well, which was um, in my very first and I suppose only playgroup in Simply Village where our family home was. Um, I think this particular memory was evoked really because it involved my mother. Um, and uh, I think the reason she was there and what they must have been doing was uh, every week there was a guest Apple distributor, um, which was uh, I think often one of the parents. Uh, or family friend and this particular day it was my mum's turn and um, it sort of sticks out because I suppose mum was working um, at this time as well and, and did throughout all the working life really. Mum's um, still with us today by the way but um, yeah she she quite a powerful uh, notable woman my mum and um, she she obviously had dropped me off at playgroup and turned up uh, to do her bit that particular day in her full sort of power dressing um, best self I suppose that's probably my earliest uh, memory and it's quite apt that it's a a childcare setting but it it wasn't like a childcare setting like we're developing today or delivering or we we even have today Um, I think it was a scout hall, which uh, I just remember a big circle of chairs sat round and um, the apple being duly distributed by my mother so yeah, quite a quirky one, but yeah, that was my probably my earliest memory.
0: She's quite an inspiring lady?
1: Yeah, I, I would say that. Um, obviously, she was a, 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 an Irish immigrant coming over from Ireland, um, very young age, 16, 17, and um, met my dad, got married very young, had four kids, and um, grew, grew a very successful business, really, which uh, still goes on today, some 45-odd years later.
0: So is she part of the McGough group?
1: Yeah, originally, I mean, she's mum's um, now well into a seventy seventy six. She probably won't like me saying that, but um, yeah, she's uh, she she's she was involved from the from the outset. I suppose um, she was the brains behind the operation. Dad was the brawn. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's very different to the humble beginnings that it had, um, which was more of a sort of construction based uh, business main contractor. Um, it's completely unrecognisable, I suppose, these days. And her involvement is very, very limited.
0: That's amazing to know that. Thank you for sharing. So I'd love to know how many children you have and what their ages are.
1: Yeah, I've got four kids as well. So I've got um, three, three boys and uh, followed up at the end by a daughter. So, um, yeah, my eldest now is 16. Um, just had his GCSEs cancelled with everything that's going on. I've then got a 15-year-old um i've got a, a a 13 year old and i've got a 9 year old who's turning um turning 10 in june actually three of the kids turn um all their birthdays are in june um the oldest one um his is in february so yeah busy month and it's also my mother's birthday in june as well yeah I've got a and my wife's at the end of may so yeah busy uh, and expensive time coming up
0: <laughs> and how have you been finding it working at home with all the kids. And you were saying just before we hit record that you've got two dogs as well. How's that going?
1: Yeah, we're we're quite fortunate. We've got a fair bit of space where we are, um, which is needed. I've always worked from home, primarily based myself from home in terms of the job I do. Uh, I'm out and about a lot, um, which has obviously been curtailed through these times. So having to sort of utilise Zoom a lot more, we're doing more Zoom meetings, very occasional meetings in the office, which which is fairly local to where I live. But yeah, not, not too different for me. I suppose I'm quite self-motivated to work from home. I've always had a sort of dedicated office space uh, because I've always been set up to do that. So what is different is obviously four kids in the house. They all need feeding every lunchtime. So I'm, I'm finding myself doing a sort of Sainsbury's Dash or... Uh, Marks and Spencer's dash to get out of the house and buy French sticks every day to feed them, but yeah, no, interesting.
0: <laughs> so back to the McGough Group. What has been the mission for the group, and how has this evolved over the years? Yeah, I think it's.
1: I think it's kind of evolved. I suppose. Um, its early origins of of what was a business started by my parents was a was a main contracting business serving the leisure sector so a a lot of kind of uh, pub refurbishment works was was their bread and butter really in the early days there's four brothers who effectively run it now i'm I'm the youngest of the four we've all got our own skill sets and and that's helped sort of drive and shape the business over time we're a lot more kind of development led these days. So uh, what we mean by that, we we acquire land, we manage the planning process and we build so we, we become our own client effectively. And I think what's quite unusual about us is we've bolted on the operational aspects to the business which has helped us grow operating brands in both care homes and now day nurseries. And I think By doing that, it creates more opportunity. The byproduct of it is build work, and it allows us to shape and drive our own destiny. So we're no longer sort of reliant on clients sort of knocking on the door and asking you to to, to construct something. We're we're developing brands which operate themselves and then, as I say, create opportunity for construction work. I, I, I think the sort of main focus and mission in terms of what we want to do is drive our own destiny ourselves uh, by creating opportunity, um, creating new concepts which are, you know, reliant on physical bricks and mortar, um, such as care homes and, and nurseries, and where we think new environments can really add something positive to the existing offering that is there. So very sort of development-led, very new. So, yeah, uh, I think that's that's the mission, really.
0: It's really interesting because it's like, when you describe it like that, it's like you're birthing the idea and then helping it grow all the way through like rather than like handing it over to somebody else your know, the creativity of coming up with a project as a whole in itself
1: yes yeah, it's it's a, a, a one stop shop essentially and um, you know we we first looked at that from from the care homes and we just thought you know why not try to do a one stop shop approach because y- you drive efficiency and surely it's got to be better because you're you've got a stakeholder interest at every single step of the way from design All the way through construction procurement and then operation and if you can do that and you can get all the interests aligned it's got to be more efficient and it's got to have a better outcome for everybody who's going to be utilizing the asset
0: and projects that you really care about like the elderly and looking after children
1: yeah it's and i think those are some of the main settings that, that really benefit from a purpose-built, purpose-designed for that use.
0: So on that note, why did you add decide to add a nursery to the portfolio? And when did that happen?
1: It's an interesting one. And um, in some respects, we probably should have focused on nurseries before. Um, my wife um, is, is a trained Montessori teacher and uh, uh, has worked as uh, sort of principal, vice-principal in various settings um, around the country uh, over a time. And so there was an, always, a, I suppose, a a sort of knowledge about that sector and, and, and an interest. And it was something I'd often talked to my wife about uh, in our early years of marriage, about starting a school and looking at something new build. Um, we, we sort of evolved that sort of thought process when we came across opportunities to Deliver sites for um, Kids Unlimited. As you know, I think we we worked for your mum and dad many years ago as a main contractor with with, with my dad uh, involved with the clients and you know working in that relationship. And I think sort of early 2000s, we had opportunities to acquire land and work with Kids Unlimited to deliver the, the first two new nurseries in, in Trafford, really, one in Timperley uh, and one in Sale. So it was kind of baby steps, really. I suppose we, we understood the nursery sector from acting as a, as a builder for kids unlimited in the very early days we then sort of morphed that a bit further and started to acquire land uh, to work with them to design something and it just it just sort of snowballed from there I suppose the next evolution of that was okay we've always built for nursery operators we're now finding land we're managing planning processes and we're working with with them as a tenant and retaining the investment as a landlord why not sort of take this a step further and um, become our own Operator as well. So I, don't know, I think it's kind of a, a bit of a phrase that I sort of try to coin of properator. So we, you know, we, we own the property and we operate, uh, whereas all there's always been the sort of distinction between property owner and operator uh, or the traditional kind of tenant lease type arrangement. So sort of closing that circle, really just made made a lot of sense. You know, the, the everything was aligning the interest. And I think what we've kind of proved in the care sector which is a very very challenging sector. Uh, not that um, childcare isn't, but you know, it's a sector that's twenty four hours a day, uh, every single day of the year. Um, very very highly regulated, and you know, people's lives are are, are in your uh, hands, and how well you can sort of care for people is very important. So, a lot of those traits that we learn in the care sector were um, quite easy to adapt over to the childcare sector as well. So and you know the, the, there's a lot of uh, crossovers in things like activity. You know we've got we've got really sort of in-depth uh, activity programs within the care sector within the care homes. Uh, we try to go that extra mile and for a good number of years my wife um, was adopting Montessori her Montessori training and techniques into the activity sessions so she was running the activity. So it's interesting to see how those techniques sort of transcend across both I suppose environments so yeah it's really interesting
0: keeping it all in the family
1: definitely and I think that was uh, one of our Dave's finer moments that was something that he um, coined really and brought into the sort of marketing and I suppose the, the ethos of, of what we do it's very apt and it, it works really really well in terms of what the group does
0: that's really interesting Um And it's, I love the phrase building for generations because you have been because it's in the family and then also building for all generations for children all the way through till the elderly. And it's kind of bookends of people's lives.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, obviously the sort of primary sort of driver to, to, uh, I suppose, both uh, disciplines and, 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 and operations is quality. You know, we want to be the very best and provide the very best quality that that we can do to promote the best outcomes for whether it's an elderly person uh, living out um, their remaining years in a, a really nice setting, to young kids, you know, taking their first steps outside the family home uh, to independence. And I, I think the the work that the team have done down in Altrincham has been fantastic. And again, we always try to do something slightly quirky, and I think that was what was such a breath of fresh air of being able to sort of work with Jeannie and Stuart uh, and try to sort of push the envelope and, and, and support their creativity where we can um, so things like the TP in Altringham has gone down brilliantly the external play is such an asset to, to, to the setting and I think I think even more so now in terms of what we're seeing and in, in where the world's going to be with social distancing and so on. You know, outdoor activity is going to be so high up the agenda for people when they're looking at a suitable childcare setting. I think that's been really interesting to see and, 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 and that's going to be a cornerstone of, uh, of everything we do really and try to evolve and, and, and do everything better on each setting. That we know. So
0: going a bit further into that, what, yeah. what would be, what is the mission and also the philosophy around the nursery and on the flip side the same with the care homes as well you've, you've already kind of touched yeah. a bit on that but if we could go into a bit more detail i'd love to hear more about what happens in both
1: yeah and it's about it's about flexible space i mean you, it, it's very hard for um and we see this in care homes as well it's very hard for a a, a non-purpose built setting to to operate and be flexible um but with the new build setting, which has been well conceived and designed for purpose, I think we've got that sort of built-in flexibility far more so than we we would have if we would set about creating a business based on conversions. So I think that's going to stand us in good stead because you know you're going to need possibly smaller class sizes and phasing of drop-off. So parking is becomes very much needed, and you know having that in flexible interior space is is is, is going to be vital going forward as we you know open up and um, keep keep pushing forward
0: yeah because I guess outdoor play is part of the nurseries it it always has been the core philosophy but now more than ever it's so important and there was an article today about Scotland basing opening schools around the outdoor play stuff and I think you know that's what is happening anyway at the nursery so it was great to see that
1: yeah no I mean I think um I think the philosophies of the, of the design are, are fairly similar to uh, the lifetime of experience and input that Jeannie and Stuart have really um, created. So we haven't really sort of deviated from what their sort of core principles are internally really from day one. So, you know, they both have very, very strong views in terms of, of how, how it should sort of be laid out. And I think we, we've achieved that at Altrincham, uh, again, the internal layout at Limb will will follow those core principles, so home bases and so on, and central milk kitchen and kitchen, you know, all following the designs and and, and thought processes that they've cultivated over many years. So um, those consistencies will will remain um, in in everything that we do.
0: It might be nice to talk about the design of back to the garden childcare in Broadheath now, because we've we've touched on the space already. So just to go a bit further into the design. Of the Broadheath nursery, and also the new concept in Lim, and how the design there will be similar and also different.
1: I think the, I think in terms of the two specific locations, obviously Al- Altrincham is a is a, a sort of more densely populated suburb, um, and conurbation really sort of picking up the catchment of, of Sale potentially as well, Hale Altrincham Bowden. Uh, and and, and the surrounding areas of Timperley. That in itself um, manifests itself in probably a bigger nursery uh, to start off with, so it's it's slightly larger. Um, The setting in Limb is obviously in a smaller village, so I think the capacity is probably 30 or so less in in terms of its size, but again, it's a mirror image internally, albeit smaller of what Alteringham is. Again, we've got good outdoor space at uh, Limb, we're going to make the most of that so we're we're really starting to sort of uh, look at that in detail now but we're trying to accommodate the the sort of principles of the TP because we think that's that's gone down really really well and again it's additional sort of breakout space which which may be required as we ease pressure internally on the on on the building um, if we need to and it just gives us that flexibility so yeah there's um, I think the traits are pretty much the same but we will reflect the the sort of environmental considerations of of each setting to to do with the location. So smaller nurseries and smaller villages, uh, larger ones in larger centres, really.
0: Yeah, so the core principles stay the same, but it just kind of adapts slightly depending on...
1: It's keeping an open mind and if something has worked particularly well in in one setting, um, and we try to improve upon it in the next one. So yeah, it's it's about sort of staying flexible really and being creative with it. And
0: it's great that the TP is becoming one of your... The, the symbols of the business
1: yeah, the, yeah one of the signatures Signature. of them, so yeah, no, but, uh, yeah it's good
0: so can we discuss how the partnership with the NHS started at the Grand which is one of your care homes in West Bridgeford Nottingham and the scheme and how that scheme was documented by the BBC and it was a finalist in the HSJ awards so can we discuss like how that began how you started working with the NHS yeah. and what and what it was
1: yeah so um in in nottingham we, we developed a, delivered a home a few years ago now and um it was one of the sort of first new homes to be built for quite some time in the local area so that in itself sort of sparked a lot of interest a very prominent site but i think we were approached by commissioners uh, and the queen's medical center because the, and i think this is a kind of fairly consistent theme across the country whereby They they have issues in terms of discharge of elderly residents from hospital beds. And I suppose really they don't necessarily need to be in the hospital beds. They just need to be in a suitable setting uh, where they can be cared for. And this is, as I say, fairly consistent across the country. So people with non-hospital conditions really are ending up in hospitals unnecessarily. And it's incredibly expensive. And if somebody is, I suppose, unnecessarily occupying a bed... Uh, but somebody's more needing of it and they can be dealt with in a a fit-for-purpose setting, then that's obviously very good for easing demand on the hospital system. So it was all around that and I think that's a fairly consistent theme around the country, that it was um, help with the capacity issues around the Queen's Medical Centre in in Nottingham. The the, the contract that we effectively entered into was designed around a sort of 14-day rehabilitation exercise. So working in conjunction with the medical staff from the hospital uh, they they effectively staff it uh, with qualified nursing staff we seek to uh, bring residents in so patients from hospital become our residents and we we look to get them turned around within a period of 14 days and rehabilitated to live independently again or as independently as they can do Um, and that involves on-site physiotherapy General nursing care and support, and you know, life skills again. So, re-enablement for you know vulnerable people to sort of live independently again. So, a lot of sort of practical life type scenarios, learning to make a cup of tea again, and and so on and so forth. So, just general support in order to sort of help free up the hospital system, bring them into our care and then get them living independently as, as quickly as we possibly can. And it's been a huge success. And I think we've we've literally just entered into a fairly sort of similar scheme in our new home in Bramhall. It, it again was sort of uh, required because the local hospital needed to discharge elderly vulnerable people to help free up bed space. Um, these discussions were probably going on from late last year. Uh, well before COVID was really sort of hitting our thought processes, but I think the whole situation was uh, expedited as a result of w- what started to happen in March, and they very quickly wanted to sort of take the whole of the home to to help ease the pressures on the on the hospital system, and and it has done its. Uh, the team have done a great uh, job under you know very stressful and very strenuous circumstances, which were, which we're all involved with now, and the logistical problems that are created as a result of that. Everybody sort of dealing with issues around PPE and so on and so forth. It's um, been a massive sort of logistical effort, but the the team's done fantastic.
0: That's such a lovely story. Actually very moving to hear that. We're taking a short break from this fascinating episode to introduce today's amazing sponsor, Kit and Kin. They are trailblazers in the nappy world, and we are proud users of them in our nursery. Can you believe that the third largest contributor to landfill is disposable nappies? In the UK alone, we go through 8 million every day. With climate change clearly having an impact, Kit and Kin have given us an eco-friendly alternative to take care of our baby's bottoms and our planet at the same time. Their multi-award-winning nappies are made using plant-based sustainable materials, as well as being unbleached and dioxin-free. They are clinically tested to ensure they're hypoallergenic and approved by dermatologists and they come in the cutest animal designs. To make this company even more incredible, for every 10 subscriptions, they fund the purchase of one acre of threatened rainforest through the Worldland Trust. Head over to kittenkin.com and use the discount code BABY20, specially created for our listeners to receive 20% off their first subscription order. They have a range of wipes, skincare and baby wear too. Now back to the discussion. Um, so pivoting on that point, how has the current COVID-19 situation affected the care homes and also the nursery? And you've already just already mentioned how you've been trying to help and do your bit to support the NHS. Yeah. And I know the nursery has been open for key workers and vulnerable children. So if we could just kind of discuss that a bit more yeah I
1: mean I suppose we've been we've been fairly fortunate in the sense that COVID cases have been really few and far between across uh, all our homes and um, the homes have been expertly managed so um, we haven't seen if if we're honest we haven't seen uh, an awful lot of it obviously the it's been great to sort of be involved with the the sort of Bramhall projects and and be able to do our bit there and um, I think I think similarly in the Back to the garden with the nursery setting in Altrincham. Um, we've tried to sort of keep business continuity, but but also um, staying open has been vitally important. And, you know, as you say, um, taking uh, key worker children in and, and supporting the NHS really important for us. It's been a struggle um, to sort of keep open and keep staff and deal with the uh, issues around staffing when we were, we we're in this pandemic. But I think ultimately it's been it's been great to be able to offer that service and um, i think in in this time of crisis it's it will stand us in good stead for when we we get back to capacity again we've i suppose across all our construction sites uk-wide we've stayed open and i think that's been vitally important to do that because it's allowed us to adapt in real time and and deal with the issues and i think it's made us a better business to sort of have that sort of continuity going and each business so, sort of supports the other through things like um, sourcing PPE. And um, that's been vitally important across construction sites, across the care home settings and obviously the nursery settings. So it's allowed us to sort of evolve all our policies as this has been unfolding and, you know, change things as we've gone along. And I think if, if we'd have all shut down, it would be in a very, very difficult situation now, you know, at least we're hitting the ground running on all fronts, and uh, you know that continuity has been so important. And because we've been dealing with essential work, of essentially across the care sector and, and you know childcare settings, um, we've, we've been fortunate enough to be able to maintain that continuity
0: that's great to hear and how how um, did you find the PPE situation did you have enough
1: yeah I mean it's uh, it's been a challenge um, but we've, we've we've been we've been fine really um, we, we've had to source our own um, and in a very very proactive fashion um, so we, we couldn't sort of wait just on on um, what was due to come through government supplies and so on, um, we've had to sort of go uh, above and beyond to sort of find you know, new supply chains and, and, and work with our supply chain partners to sort of make sure that we're, we're fully stocked at all times. So, yeah, fortunately, touch wood, it's been it's been something that again the group and the team, teams across the group have been you know expertly efficient in handling.
0: Yeah, and which must be good for the future as well. So you've got those new relationships with people that can produce those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, something that would be really interesting to talk about with the with children and the elderly is the benefits of intergenerational care, and how this was featured in an article in the Guardian last year, and also Nursery World stated that Britain is one of most one of the most age segregated communities. So, how how are you working towards helping bridging this gap through the project in Lim, and how how Will you, I guess, manage the new situation with needing to be extra careful? How, how will that kind of
1: work? Yeah, no, I mean, the, the, it's a very good point, very good challenges. I mean, I suppose we first sort of came across the, the concept um, on our development in in Timperley, uh, where we built a 82-bed care home, a 90-place children's day nursery and a supported living uh, apartment block uh, for vulnerable people. And so... We sort of saw that as a kind of suburban care village and um, it, it was really interesting to see we, we, we actually weren't running the nursery it was it was leased out and um but we, we had a great working relationship with, with the nursery team there and we first noticed you know the importance of uh, the interaction at things like christmas time so um The young kids came in to do carol services and um, just general interaction as part of the activity. Again, going back to my wife's involvement with with sort of Montessori technique, sort of transcending the the two sectors, I suppose. She was very keen to sort of encourage that and Christmas markets and so on. And um, I suppose that was the first time we sort of saw firsthand the success of of how putting uh, the two generations together um could really work and when we had the opportunity to do it at Lynn we just thought you know this is a fantastic setting it's it's a conservation area setting parkland like in its parkland like in its uh, appearance lots of trees lots of nature by the canal um and we just thought you know this has got to be the way that we sort of try to bring this development together but this time uh, because we're also the operator it gives us more control to sort of really sort of Push the boundaries and, and and make this work. And I think for the past six nine months or so, we've we've been involved in in our Altrincham setting. We've, we've got a care home in sale, so probably two miles down the road. And there's been sort of various cohorts alternating from uh, the elderly coming into the the, the nursery setting uh, and interacting with the kids, whether that's potting plants. Um, some paintings, some flower arranging, you know, storytelling. Um, from a history, historical perspective, you know, the older generation have got so much real-time history to pass, pass on, whether that's a, a story about the war or, you know, something more positive. It, it's such a great opportunity. How we handle this going forward is is a challenge, you know, and we've got to look at that. And I think it's probably a little bit premature to be able to sort of say with any real certainty how we're going to be able to do it, but I'm sure um, there's going to be ways and means of creating that interaction. In, I, th- I think the other positive thing about Lim is that there's, there's retirement par- apartments on site as well. So you know it's going to be great if Gran and Granddad live in the apartments and can pick the kids up from nursery whilst Mum and Dad um, you know are returning home from work. You know that sort of natural interaction. If we can get to that stage again, is going to be um, really really vital.
0: And I'm sure you will, like, I'm sure with everything that you're doing, it will all come together and you'll figure out ways, ways around things. And I know mum, mum mentioned on hers about a community garden. Um, so maybe they could grow vegetables together and things like that. And also you saying about the, um, the elderly, well, they, they are like the elders in society. They are the storytellers. They have got all these experiences and that's, it's so important that they're valued and it's lovely to hear that you talk like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's um, it's a special opportunity. And as you say, I'm sure we'll work it out. Um, we've got to work it out, you know.
0: Um, it's too important that children's energy is so uplifting and they're so interesting to watch. That's naturally going to make people feel good. And one of the other things I was going to talk about with the with a visit, are there any particular benefits that you've noticed from the interaction with the older people and the children
1: yeah I mean just just general mood I think um, y- you know the, the sort of men- the, the sort of mental well-being effects that, that are stimulated from it which then has positive sort of health effects so th- things like you know weight gain then is very important um, for elderly people And, you know, you are seeing that where people are properly stimulated and relaxed and uh, enjoying life again. So often, you know, these situations where the elderly come into the homes and family members are saying, oh, mum's lost weight or dad's lost weight and um, we think uh, he or she's on a downward spiral now and, you know, we're we're really concerned. And you get them into one of our homes and you, you start stimulating the senses again around um, initiatives like this and there's a, there's a positive impact on, on mental health but also physical health and um, it starts to become rejuvenated in a sense and you know it, it, it's really encouraging to see and you know the feedback that we get from family members is, is testimony to that really and, and, and it's nice to get that. nice to see the team and the managers of the homes and, and the clinical staff all, all sort of heralded for that yeah, I mean, uh, we always try to do things a little bit different. We had a resident who's recently passed well into his 90s, and I think he was he was uh, one of the first residents at our care home in Sale. But a very, very active guy still, um, mentally very, very sharp, and um, a huge United fan. And um, we, we even involved him in some of the interview processes for some of the staff as, as we were opening the home because, you know, he was one of the first members in the home and it's his home. And uh, one of his lifelong ambitions was to um, get back to Old Trafford. Um, so we, we, we arranged that for him. And um, our chairman, who's actually a Liverpool fan, was tasked with actually taking him. So uh, it was uh, good to put that on him um, and, and send him into the Theatre of Dreams. It was a very very special day. Uh, I think we had a book signed for him by um, Sir Alex Ferguson and um, we got him a, a, a united top um, and got him out onto the turf. It's great to be able to do things like that and um, I think this interaction with the childcare settings gives, gives another opportunity for you know, people to enjoy uh, the experiences that they can, they can get from meeting kids and interacting with kids.
0: That's such a lovely story. Such a nice story. Something that I'd love to know is how you contribute towards helping the planet through both the childcare setting and new care and actually all all of the McGough Group projects.
1: Well I think it becomes inherently built in and inherently more sustainable when um, it's a one-stop shop, uh, there's no inefficiency leakages, um, you've got a stakeholder interest from design concept stage. So the thing about design and build is, you know, there's a constant drive for efficiency and we want to maximise that not only from a profit perspective, but also a sustainability perspective. So I think I think that's the first thing to know. I think um, where we can, uh, we ensure that buildings can thrive naturally. Um, through design uh, and benefit. So if we've got an opportunity to put solar panels on a south-facing roof, then, you know, that's a given. Other methods, uh, ground source heat pumps and so on, are sometimes harder to make work because you might have sort of um, constraints on particular sites, you know, trees and so on. It's hard to sort of uh, adopt everything you want. I think the government could do more to stimulate Greater take up on, on, on certain technologies and advance certain technologies. But I think, you know, because we are a new build setting, we are inherently more sustainable and, and far more efficient. I mean, building regulations change consistently and, 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 and make targets harder to achieve, but we achieve them.
0: That's great to hear. And I know um, the nursery as well, there's so much natural light as well. So it means that you don't have to use the lights as much and things like that yeah. the windows are so big it floods the rooms
1: yeah new build settings are so different to a sort of a converted property which um you're often just putting sticking plasters over over cuts with, with those types of buildings um whereas you know if, if it's brand new from from grassroots up it, it it makes it so much easier to be far more sustainable
0: so what's it like um we, you mentioned before about your brothers. So what's it like working working in a family business, working with them? There's James, Declan and Dave and, of course, yourself. And do you think, the, what? yeah, it'd be interesting to hear about the dynamic between you all and do you think that that has contributed towards the success of the group?
1: Yes, it's interesting. Never a dull moment at <laughs> um, all. No, but no, I mean, I think in fairness, I, I think... Um, dynamic of, of, of the relationship that involves us all it, it is interesting we all do our own thing really within the business so we've all got our own skill sets and and, and those skill sets um re- rely on each other um the interlock essentially um so I'm sort of very focused on sort of I suppose land development um legals marketing and so on and, and, and operation whereas I suppose the other three are more sort of uh on the physical side and commercial side, they're sort of nuts and bolts builders really and, and, and know how to uh, deliver these projects, which, which seem to be increasing in scale uh, more and more. And I think the beauty of, of, of how it all works is that, you know, we've all worked independently and externally for other corporate organisations at you know high levels. So I suppose we've cut our teeth within all the businesses and, and understand the hierarchy and, 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 and the teamwork, the team that you have to build to make a business work. So. You know, it's definitely been um, a positive to to be able to work with family members because integrity and um, reliance and so on and trust is is inbuilt, uh, which is very important in any any business, and particularly where you've got sort of partners. So, um, family values is uh, are things that are very important to us. You know, um, and that sort of helped drive the business and loyalty. You know, we. We're a long-standing business. We have I've worked with people for 25 years um, as consultants external to the business. And you know, that's the ethos of, of, of what we try to do. We try to build relationships and, and, and work positively and as, as long as we possibly can together. Um, so, and yeah.
0: can, you, can you see the qualities of, um, of your parents trickle through between you all? Do you all have...
1: Yeah, d- definitely. I mean, um, uh, I think anyone who's had a parent um, or parents such as yourself and me including who've sort of started a business and you, you've seen it nurtured and grow definitely has a positive impact on on, on your sort of working life uh, and what it teaches you. So, yeah, um, very much so, I think. Um, you
0: don't almost realise that it's teaching you stuff. As a, as a kid being around it, it's just normal. But, yeah, you pick, pick up on things.
1: Uh, I think on the last podcast, I picked that up from some of the... Um, experiences you sort of found and, and brought into what, how you live your life really and how you work so yeah it, it's a real positive and it's um, as you say you, you don't know what's going on you just but, but again that, that's like kids isn't it they're a sponge and they're, they're a fountain of accepting uh, knowledge and I suppose that's um, that's what, why a childcare care setting is so important and a family unit is so important so yeah it's um, it's interesting.
0: Very very interesting so What would be your advice to someone with a vision to build a business?
1: By advice, I mean, I think um, it it goes back to sort of building a team, really surrounding yourself with winners and and making sure that everybody who you're working with can be trusted and uh, is the best at what they do.
0: So the next three questions I'd love to relate to both children and the elderly. Um, So you can either answer it as one question or answer for the children and then for the elderly. So if money, time and logistics were no object, what would be the ultimate dream you would wish to create for children and the elderly?
1: I think if we could protect a child's innocence for as long as possible, that'd be very special. I mean, seeing that with um, my daughter, who's nine turning 10, um, you know, the that would be something that I'd, uh, if money was no object and the logistics could achieve it, I think that that would be very special and I think on at the other end of the scale with elderly people, if you could um, ensure that their dignity and independence was um, protected for as long as possible in old age, that, that would be very special as well.
0: What universal lesson can be taught to children and or the elderly around the world?
1: yeah an, another tricky and challenging one to sort of come up with an answer with, but I think again, anything that sort of creates and fosters independence from an early age and for as long as possible into old light, uh, old age, um, yeah, I, th- I think I think they're the lessons you try to teach and, and try to adopt. Um, so yeah, I think that's my answer there.
0: That's a great answer. And what rights should children and the elderly innately have? I
1: think all children and the elderly um, should have a right to a safe environment and loving family um, or caring unit um, from, again, as early and for as long into old age as possible.
0: These are amazing answers. You're going to be crying soon. (laughs) can feel it just on the edge. Okay, so three rapid fire questions. If you could have a superpower as a parent, what would it be?
1: Definitely fly, so that I could uh, spy on my kids at all times, I think, (laughs) about the uh, the summer. Like a
0: human drone.
1: (laughs) The summer approaches and hopefully lockdown eases a little.
0: What's the most important ingredient in running a business?
1: I think building a successful team and, um, you know, having the foresight, to do that and, um, keep the team together.
0: What are you most grateful for?
1: Without a doubt, uh, my very, very supportive and understanding wife, um, many years of holidays of, uh, being on emails and so on and the like, uh, and being distracted. Um, no, but without her, um, I probably wouldn't be able to function and particularly, uh, without her, wouldn't be able to look after the kids. Uh, as well as as we do as a family unit.
0: They're all such lovely answers. That's so nice. Thank you. Is there anything that you feel like you'd love to share that I haven't touched on?
1: No, I think that was pretty in-depth and uh, had me scratching my head at times. um,
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time out today and I know you're very, very busy at the moment with everything that's going on and it's just great to hear your passion and genuine care about everything that you do and all the people that are part of it so thank you very much chris
1: thank you for the opportunity great
0: thank you for listening to our podcast if you enjoyed it please subscribe and leave us a review in itunes or on your podcast app follow back to the garden childcare on instagram facebook and twitter we would love to hear your thoughts on today's subject And for everything mentioned in today's episode, you can head to the show notes at backtothegardenchildcare.com forward slash podcast. And if there's someone you know who would love to hear this episode, share it with them today. Send them a link, screenshot the app, or just chat about it. This podcast is recorded at LBS Studios and produced by Simon Galloway. Until next time, in the words of Joni Mitchell, we are stardust, we are golden, and we've got to get ourselves back to the garden.